This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Very complicated uh, message today, and, and even in my circumstances, I have to study it and study it and study it. And it's, another, it's one thing to study, and it's another thing to deliver it. And uh, I pray that I can communicate it in such a way today that you can get something. Because it's very deep, but it's very important. In my opinion, I believe the message that we're going to talk about today is probably the greatest sermon in Bible prophecy that you should have an interest in. We all know about the rapture, and we preached last Sunday thoroughly about the rapture. I'll make a comment or two, some things about that in, in just a few moments. But this message is probably the most important of all the prophecy sermons. And so I hope and pray that you would listen intently. Ask God to open your heart. Ask God to speak to you. Because I don't have a lot of time to stay in one place. We're going to be moving real quickly through this. And so I do pray that you'll write some good notes and you've got your bulletin today. And then you have the Holy Spirit to help you with the message today. This is Sermon 2 in our annual Bible prophecy series. If you have your Bibles, turn with me now to Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to be looking at verse number 40 through 42 in the foundation of the message today. Again, we're preaching on this subject. Will there be a second chance for those left behind to be saved? Now, I don't know how many listening by internet or how many here has ever really thought about your eternal soul to the point where you've given it serious consideration and you believe with all of your heart that you're truly going to heaven when you die. It's one thing to believe that that's what's going to happen, but it's another thing to know that's what's going to happen. Paul said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. So if there's anybody here today in the service or you're watching by internet and you're just hoping to be a good old boy at the end of the day, listen, this message is for you because all good boys don't go to heaven. And it's important that you know how to get there, what to do about this. There's a startling sermon here before us this morning. Will there be a second chance? For those left behind, we spoke about the rapture last week. Now, I want you to look at this passage of Scripture. And, fellas, I hope that you're able to get these Scriptures on the screen. We're looking at Matthew chapter 24 and beginning in verse number 40. And so I don't see it right there. It is. I don't see There it goes. I see it now. All right, so stay with us now. The Word says, Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the meal. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. There have been many people through the years that have tried to predict dates for when Jesus was going to return. They have made videos, they have produced CDs, and they have written books and all kinds of propaganda. And when their date, predicted date, does not come to pass, they're very eager and willing 
to set another date and feel that they just miscalculated uh, by a prophecy or two, and so they take another go of it. I was looking recently at a survey taken about this very thing, and one most recently out in California, and uh, this individual set three different dates. When it didn't happen here, he set another one here. When it didn't happen here, he did. He set another one here, and then his business went out of business. We do not know the day nor the hour when Jesus is going to return. No matter how much you read the word, the day is only for God to know. But the one thing that we do know is this, Jesus is coming. He promised that. And so the question today, are you going to be ready? Will there be a second chance for those left behind? Last Sunday, we brought the sermon on the rapture of the church. And that's exactly what we're waiting on right now is the rapture of the church when the Lord Jesus will come and we will meet him in the air. And we sing the song from time to time, what a day that will be when Jesus I shall see. And that's going to be without question a grand and glorious day. And you need to know that the rapture is the next prophetic event on God's calendar. It's the next thing that will happen in Bible prophecy. The rapture of the church, that message relates to people who are believers, people who are saved. And when the rapture takes place, those who are saved, those who are believers, will be taken out of this world supernaturally and simultaneously according to the word of God when the great trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together and we'll meet the Lord in the air. That's going to be a wonderful, grand, and glorious time. And we spent all Sunday morning last week talking about the rapture and how it dealt with believers on this earth. But the message today deals with the subject of people who will not be in the rapture. So let me say it this way right off the bat. I believe that the worst thing that could ever happen to anybody that has breathed there, that has walked this earth, that's ever been conceived in life, the worst thing that could ever happen to our human soul is to die and go to hell. There's nothing any worse than that. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? But the second most tragic thing that could happen to a human soul in this life is to be left behind when the rapture takes place and have to go through the horrific seven years of tribulation that the Bible speaks about. Number one on your bulletin today, if you're looking chronologically by Roman numerals, the first thing that I want to talk about is this, that there will be people who are going to be left behind. I want you to notice very carefully in Matthew chapter 24, verse number 41 again. The Bible says two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken. I would like for you, if you feel customarily 
uh, significant with taking notes in your Bible, underline the word taken. And the word says, and the other left. So I'd like for you to underline two words in your Bible. The word taken and the word left. First of all, the word taken has a very positive aspect to it. This word left, we'll talk more about it in a moment, it contains a very terrible predicament. So I'm asking you to underline, if you feel freely to write in your Bible, to underline those two words. And I'd like for you to notice very carefully that the Bible points out in this particular passage of Scripture a division of humanity in these verses. So please make no mistake about this. When the Lord Jesus Christ returns in the rapture, there will be some people who will be taken out of this world, and there will be some people who will be left in this world. Now, I'm so thankful that as believers, we can have blessed assurance. We can know that we know that we know. These things have are written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. 1 John 5, 13. We can have the assurance, according to God's word, that as a believer, when the rapture takes place, we will be taken out. We can be sure of that. You say, well, preacher, how can anybody, how can anybody be sure that when the rapture takes place and they're saved, they will be taken out? Well, first of all, how, preacher, can a person know that they're saved? Well, that's a very good question, and I pray that you listen carefully because, listen, there are only two roads, straight and narrow, and the broad road. And the only way that you can get to heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way. But how can you know, preacher? Well, the word says this in Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not might be saved, hope to be saved, but it says shall be saved. That's very important. I remember the day that I did that. As a five-year-old boy, you say, well, preacher, I don't think people can be saved that young. Well, I'm telling you, you're looking at a miracle today because God saved me. I've always heard, preacher, that you have to be 12 years old to, to be saved. Well, that's not in the Bible anywhere. And one of the problems with church today is people are getting a lot of phony religion and basing their eternal souls on stuff that's just man-made, that's not in the Word. There's nothing, and the closest thing that I can find to a 12-year-old is when Jesus was 12 years old in the temple teaching the doctors and the lawyers and the scribes. Other than that, friend, forget the 12-year-old thing. When the Holy Ghost comes to you and says, you need to repent, you need to be saved, I would suggest do it. Now look at this. Can you honestly say that you remember the day when you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior. No one's born saved. All of us are born lost, the Word says. All we like sheep have gone astray. We're born lost. We need a Savior. So can you remember the day that you were saved? You invited the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your heart. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. Being saved, listen now, gives us the surety and the security that we will be taken out of this earth when the trumpet sounds. And so if you are in the group that is going to be taken, then this word taken in the scripture is a very positive thing. But that's not, if that's not the case, listen carefully in Matthew 24, verse 41, the other shall be left. Look at that. The second word has a very negative tone to it. The word left, this word left 
implies being abandoned, being forsaken. It's a most serious situation. It's being separated from God for all eternity. Now, Jesus himself gives us a picture, a, a picture-perfect idea of what is going to happen immediately following the rapture. In Matthew chapter 24, verse number 41, the word says this, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. So please listen carefully. The Bible says that when Jesus returns, and this brings us to point number two in your outline today, those who are left will enter into a period of time known as the Great Tribulation. That period of time is described in the Old Testament in a variety of ways. I want to give you four prominent scriptures about that this morning. These are very important scriptures. We go back to the Old Testament, and according to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, I ask you to pay very close attention to this passage of Scripture and even make notations in your Bible if you're comfortable about writing there. The word says in he. This is a point in Scripture when he is not in reference to God. This word he is about the Antichrist, the deceiver that is going to come on the scene immediately following the rapture. And he, the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. In prophecy, that is three and one-half years. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. That's talking about this, that when the Antichrist comes at the beginning of the tribulation, he's coming with a false peace. He's going to allow the Jewish people to rebuild their temple for the third time. Now, I personally believe this, that the temple will be rebuilt immediately before the rapture or immediately after the rapture. And there are significant reasons why. But nevertheless, the, the Antichrist is going to allow the Jewish people to rebuild their temple. He is going to allow them to offer sacrifices in this temple just like they did in the days of old. But look at this very carefully. He shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. In the middle of the tribulation, after the first three and a half years, he is going to say to the Jewish people, that's enough, you have to get out of here. He is going to run them out of their temple. He is going to stop all of these sacrifices. And the word says that they will flee to the mountains of Petra. But now look at this. And for the overspreading of abominations, this is, by the way, what the Bible refers to and is called the abomination of desolation. For the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now again, remember, we're talking about the tribulation here. There is another scripture in Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 1. And at that time, Michael shall stand, look at that, stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble. If you underline those three words, time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. The time of trouble is in reference to Jacob's trouble. We'll see that in the next verse. It's talking about the tribulation. 
In Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse number 7, you can get these quicker on the screen here. Watch carefully the word. Alas, for that day is great. This is talking about the tribulation. So that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Some people will be taken. Some people will be caught up in the rapture. And then a very difficult verse to find, a chapter in the Word, Zephaniah chapter 1 and verse number 18. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be, look at this, devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy, now this is in reference to God and his judgment on the earth, he shall make even a speedy radiance. If you have a King James Bible, this word radiance is talking about something, it's, it's the removal of something that is t- terribly, grossly unwanted, a speedy remnants, remnants of all that dwell in the land. And so God's wrath on the world and on the people that are left after the rapture is going to be uncomprehendable and it's coming. It will be unmerciful on those who have rejected the gospel. And I assure you, according to the word of God, that those who are left behind following the rapture is going to go through seven years of horrific, terrible times. The catastrophic things that are mentioned that will go on in the tribulation They're outlined in the scripture. We don't have time to look at them today, but in Revelations chapter 6 through number 19, you can find the horrific things that are going to take place. There will be all sorts of things going on. Let me minimize this just for the sake of time this morning. There is going to be uncomprehendable political deception. And my goodness, aren't we living in some of those times and days right now? I will tell you this, like... Humanity has never seen nor experienced there's going to be global political deception. And then there is going to be, for the first three and a half years of the tribulation, there is going to be economical prosperity. And there is going to be three and a half years of a false sense of peace globally. There is also going to be unfathomable blindness when it comes to spiritual things. There are going to be people who have called themselves Christians all of their lives and they are going to depart from the faith in unbelievable ways. Now, please listen to this. This is, this is important because the book of Revelation makes clear. There's a phrase in there. We're going to talk about them in just a moment. Listen, there is a phrase that says those that are left behind, the word gives them a title. The word gives them a description and it is referenced in relation to these people who are left behind. Listen carefully, them that dwell on the earth. Now I want to show you what I mean. So go with me to Revelation chapter three and verse number 10. John on the Isle of Patmos, he's writing these scriptures and he says this, because thou hast kept the word of my patience I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. That's talking about the tribulation. Every person that's born again, when the trumpet sounds, we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And God is going to keep us from the time of Jacob's trouble. He's going to keep us from the time 
of this, the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world. God's wrath is coming. It's coming upon the world. And look at this. To try them that dwell upon the earth. And so let me teach you something right here this morning. This term, them that dwell on the earth, is never a reference to God's people. It's talking about those who have been left behind after the rapture. These are people who did not receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And I will tell you that there are millions upon millions of people on this earth right now who are in this category. They are lost, and they are not only on their way to the tribulation, but they are on their way, according to the Word of God, to a devil's hell. Now, the question is this. When Jesus comes in the rapture, it brings us to point number three. Look at this. Will the, will the people that dwell on the earth, those that are left behind, will they ever have a second chance to be saved? That's what we're talking about today. Will they ever be able to acknowledge their mistake and find a merciful and a compassionate God that reaches out to them for not receiving the Lord in their day of grace? Well, the answer is found in another book and chapter in the scriptures, and I want to break this down for you. I hope I can do this step by step for you. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, the apostle Paul is writing, and he says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us. As that day of Christ, the day of Christ is the rapture. There are two different phases here. The day of Christ is the rapture. The day of the Lord is the revelation. They're two separate things. They're seven years apart. Verse three, let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come, it's talking about the day of Christ, the rapture. Look at this. For that day, the rapture shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So let me explain something to you this morning. Listen carefully. These people in Thessalonica had received a very disturbing message that was going on in the circuit of churches. Some people had crept into the church the early church, and there were some professors or there were some pastors, there were some teachers, there were some evangelists that had crept in. This is why this is so important to me, friend. Listen, anybody that stands in this pulpit, I don't care much about much about anything, but I'll tell you this, they cannot get up here and preach some hocus pocus. They got to know what they're talking about. This is why I'm so protective over this pulpit. Because there are many people infiltrating the church of the living God today and they're peddling all kinds of stuff about religion that's not in the Bible, that's man-made. Here in Thessalonica, people had crept into the church and these teachers and preachers and professors and educators and evangelists, they were, they were preaching this to these early believers. They were saying that the rapture has already happened back in this day. And it was scaring the living daylights out of them. They actually thought that they had missed the rapture. 
They were scared that they were now living in the days of the tribulation. So what Paul does, he begins to help them understand that the day of Christ, the rapture had not taken place yet. Now, look at this. Or even the rapture. Or or the day of the Lord. They were so confused with the rapture taking place. Are we in the tribulation? Is the revelation coming? They were so messed up in eschatology. that So Paul had to clear it all up for them. But I will tell you this, even today, there's so much distortion about this tribulation thing. There are what is called the pre-tribulationalists, which we are. We're pre-everything. But then there are those who are mid-tribulationalists believing that the Lord Jesus is going to come back after the three and a half years. I'm going to show you how that's impossible. And then there are post-tribulationists that believe that that he's coming back for the rapture after the tribulation. That's impossible because that's when he comes in the revelation. So we have to keep these things accurate. But what we notice here in verse number three is that there's going to be a great falling away first. That's unprecedented apostasy that's coming into the church. That means this, the the majority of the world is going to openly reject the word of God. The majority of the world is going to reject God himself. The majority of the world is going to reject God's simple plan of salvation. And I will tell you this, that's happening right now. There are multitudes of people that are standing in public forums, TV talk shows, Oprah Winfrey's one of them. She believes that there are many roads to Jesus, that there are many roads to heaven. Listen, there are not. I will tell you this, there's only one. He said, I'm the way, not a way, not a better way, not, not a categorical way. He said, I am the way. So anybody that's peddling this stuff about many roads to heaven, it's not in the scriptures. And I would say this to you this morning. I thank you here this morning because you want to know the truth. Amen. So look at this. After the rapture, immediately the man of sin is going to be revealed. He is called the Antichrist. Again, the rapture. The difference, the rapture is when the dead in Christ are raised and those believers with them who are still living are going to be caught up and meet the Lord in the air. That's the rapture. Seven years of tribulation goes by. At the end of the tribulation, the Lord Jesus comes back in the revelation. And the word says in the book of Zechariah that in that day, his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives. That's another subject. I'm not preaching that today. I will maybe at the end of the series. So we have to keep in mind, there's a difference between the rapture and the revelation. But there are two important things that have to happen when the, when the rapture takes place. Now listen carefully. There's going to be great apostasy in the religious world, but we recognize that apostasy is in the church today as well. When the rapture takes place, the man of sin, the Antichrist, is going to be revealed. And this is one reason, and there are people that believe that we're in the tribulation right now. We're not. This is not the tribulation. Why? Because the man of sin, the Antichrist, has not been revealed. And the Bible says that he will be revealed after the rapture. We're not... We don't know who the Antichrist is. Listen, by by humanity, we know that the devil is going to inhabit him, but he he is not offering peace to the world, and we're not having economical prosperity right now. The world's in a mess. You know that. 
And so this is a clear indication that we are not in the tree. Listen, it's bad. But believe me, the worst is yet to come for the tribulation. But for the believer, the best is yet to come. Now, here's something I think incredibly important. The last of the church age is going to be known as the Laodicean age. And the word Laodicean means the rights of the people. That simply means this, that right before the Lord returns, we're going to be living in a society globally where, at, at, listen, are we not here yet? Where wrong overrides right. And why insanity overrides reason. That's where we are right now. Let me say it again. When wrong overrides right and insanity overrides reason. That's exactly where we are right now. And political correctness will inhabit the globe. Listen carefully. That means in the last days, prior to the rapture, there's going to be a great falling away. A falling away of behavior. A falling away of what is right. And we're witnessing that right now. Okay, look at this. The Apostle Paul says that the man of sin will appear. So that brings us to number four in the outline this morning. The rapture and the revealing of the Antichrist begins the tribulation period. And those two things have not happened yet. Again, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 3, this is very important, stay focused here. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, look at this, the son of perdition. Now, the son of perdition, what does that mean? It means the son of ruin. It means the son of damnation. This is talking about the Antichrist. And the Apostle Paul describes him again in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 4. This is what he's going to do. In the third temple, we're not there yet. In the third temple, he is going to oppose who opposeth and exalteth himself Above all that is called God. This is in the last three, this is at the beginning of the last three and a half years of the tribulation. Or that is worshiped so that he, the Antichrist, as God, sitteth in the temple. The Jews do not have a third temple yet, church. Stay with those facts. Sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. So in the middle of the three and a half years of the tribulation, the Antichrist is going to run all the Jewish people out of their temple. He's going to stop them from sacrificing. The Jewish people will run and flee to the mountains of Petra. The Antichrist will set up an image of himself in this temple and he is going to demand that he now is being recognized as God. He is going to demand that he be worshipped. We'll see that in another text in just a moment. And so he comes in the first three and a half years offering peace. But then he is going to take a seat in the temple 
destroying everything that he established in the first three and a half years. He is going to, at that point, declare that he is God and he will ultimately deceive the world. He will demand to be worshiped and he will force people to take his mark, which Revelation teaches us is the number 666. Okay, now, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. And this, this passage is talking about the Holy Spirit, not the Antichrist. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Look at this. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he, this is the Holy Spirit, only he who now letteth until he, the Holy Spirit, be taken out of the way. And so listen carefully. I think anybody that's saved, anybody that knows the Lord as their personal Savior, you know the power of the Holy Spirit. First of all, you cannot be saved without the Holy Spirit. You have seen, you have felt the Holy Spirit work in your life in many ways. There have been many times that you've come to crossroads or there are many times you've, you've had to make decisions. There are many times that you have faced dilemmas and, and, and there have been miraculous things that have happened in your life that you know only God could do. I'm telling you, in, in times like that, it's the Holy Spirit that's working and going before you. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you, sometimes, listen, you've had problems in your life where you have had to cry yourself to sleep. You've had problems at night. It's kept you up at night. You, you were fearful of the next day. Things that were going on, and, and it seemed like that it was a never-ending process. But somehow, listen, you prayed. Your prayers got through. You put salty tears on the altar of God. God knew your heart. He knew your sincerity. And somehow, when you thought you were at your breaking point, the peace of God that passeth all understanding came through like a mighty rushing wind, and you had no idea what was happening. God, the Holy Spirit, brought you through. So listen to this. Without question, the church, the bride that's here right now, prior as we're waiting on the rapture, prior to the Lord's return, you and I both know that the Holy Spirit is just as real as God the Spirit. God, listen carefully. God the Father, God the Son, you know much about them, but I'm telling you the Holy Spirit is just as real as God the Father and God the Son. Just as real, just as powerful. And you and I both know that as believers, we possess the Holy Spirit. He inhabits us. When we are saved, the Holy Spirit comes in. And the Word says that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. So within every believer, the Holy Spirit dwells. So think about it. The restraining power in the world today is none other than the Holy Spirit of God. And if we think that the world is bad right now, if we think that the world is bad as it is today, just wait to the restrainer, the Holy Spirit, Listen carefully. When the rapture, if you are a believer and the Holy Spirit is within you and you are raptured out, listen, that means this, that globally, every born again believer, when the rapture takes place, because the Spirit of God is in us, when the rapture takes place, 
He is going out with the church. He is going out with us. Try to imagine this world without the restrainer, without the Holy Spirit. Now look at this. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, and this is about those who are left behind. And with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not. How come? How come a person cannot have a second chance, preacher? How come? Will there be a second chance for those left behind? No. Why? The answer's right here. And with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish, here's the reason why. Because they received not the love of truth that they might be saved. This is the reason why. In verse 10, the word says this, that these people left behind, they made a conscious decision to live in the pleasures of unrighteousness in this world. And so, simply put, to reject the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior because of that decision that they made to receive not the truth, to be saved, they put themselves in a position to believe the lie of the Antichrist. And listen, I will tell you right now, there's not a person that's ever walked in the doors of Buford Road Baptist Church who has not heard the gospel. Everybody here today, everybody listening today on our pamphlets, on our brochures, everywhere you turn in this ministry, you see the gospel printed somewhere. So my point is this, there's not a person that's ever walked in these doors who has an excuse. Nobody will ever, whoever walked in these doors will never be able to say to me, preacher, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you share Christ? Why didn't you share the cross? Why didn't you share the blood? Why didn't you share the plan of salvation? And nobody will be able to point their finger in the face of God because he has made it known to the world. Now listen to this. They made a conscious decision. So they put themselves in a position to be deceived by the Antichrist. And so as he presents himself, as the only hope of the world, the peacemaker or the false Messiah. I want you to look at this passage. They received not the love of the truth. Now, point number five in your bulletin, what is truth? What is the truth? The truth is the gospel. That's what Jesus said in John 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So does not care for the gospel? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. What is it? The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so a person must understand the gospel in order to be saved. Anybody that wants to be saved, listen, that might be you today. Anybody that wants to be saved, listen, you've got the first step in that is you have to realize that you are a sinner. Let me give you this just for a quick moment. What, the, what does that mean, preacher? I'm going to tell every person in here right now how to be saved. You have to realize, first of all, that you are a sinner. The word says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You've got to recognize that and believe that. Any person that wants to be saved has to understand this. Secondly, a person must understand the consequences of sin. In Romans 6.23, the word says this, for the wages of sin or the consequence of sin 
the price of sin, is death. And that doesn't just mean a physical death, but it's talking about a spiritual death that separates us from God forever, for eternity. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What what is the gift of God? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The third thing a person must understand is this, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sin. And in Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love or gave us his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't love us when we were lovable. He loved us when we were unlovable. He didn't love us when we were worthy. We've never been worthy. He loved us in our shame and in our sin. And number four, the word says this, that if we if we recognize these things and we confess our sins and repent of our sins, we can be saved. In Romans 10, verse 19, or verse 9 through 13, the word says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew nor the Greek. That means everybody has to be saved the same way. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's how a person is saved. These people that the Bible is describing as the people that are left behind... Listen carefully. These are people that heard the gospel. We're living right now in the day of grace. This world has an opportunity right now to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. All over the world, there are missionaries. All over the world, there are preachers, there are pastors, there are teachers, there are evangelists. And that's what Jesus said. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what we're doing. That's what I try to do. 52 weeks of the year right here, just preaching the gospel, helping people to know the difference between being saved and lost and what the consequences of lost is all about. These are people, these people that are left behind, they heard the gospel in this day of grace who had an opportunity to receive it but chose not to. It brings us to number six. And so as a result of not believing, I want you to see the consequence. It is irreversible. It's impossible If you're here today and you're saying, I do not want to be saved right now. I want to continue to live my life in the pleasures. I want to sow my wild oats. I want to make sure that I need to cross all my T's, preacher. I need to dot all my I's. I want to have the pleasures of the world and the pleasures of sin. And when I get ready, listen carefully. The scripture says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. If you're thinking that you're going to get to the place where when you sold your wild oats and you've had all the fun of living, that's when you're going to give your heart to Christ. Listen carefully. None of us have the guarantee of seeing the sunset tonight. There's no promise of us seeing the sunrise tomorrow. You're rolling dice with your soul. You're rolling dice. You're playing Russian roulette with your soul. Listen carefully. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 11, the, and the, this is the most scariest thing in the Bible, I believe. Look at this. Because people rejected the truth, 
They chose not to be saved in their day of grace. This is why somebody will never, ever, ever have a second chance. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. When a person turns from the truth, they set themselves wide open for a lie. Now, how will the Antichrist be able to deceive the world? How will he be able to think about this? When the Lord returns, there's going to be global chaos and pandemonium. I assure you that nothing of its kind has ever been experienced before. When the rapture takes place, think about all the amber alerts that will be going off simultaneously around the world. Think about all the families who are going to be looking for missing relatives. Think about all the derailments and crashes and explosions. Think about the millions upon millions of the 911 calls. In this time of utter chaos, the Antichrist is going to make his appearance. And when he does, he is going to have a big lie with him. As the world is in pandemonium exploding on every continent, the world in utter chaos. You think 9-11 was horrible, and it was, and it's a day that we, none of us should ever forget. But imagine 9-11. Think about this. Happening all over the world at the same time. The Antichrist steps up to a podium as a peacemaker. And he is going to say, ladies and gentlemen, can I have your attention, please? This is catastrophic. The world is in pandemonium. But do not fear. I'm going to explain to you what happened. And he comes on the scene with this big lie. And he communicates it in such a way. He's going to be an articulate communicator. I think he'll be a very inspirational individual. He'll be an astounding communicator. He will have charisma. As far as the world considers it to be, he will be very intelligent. I believe he will have a handsome physique to him. He will have everything that, that a man would need to step up to the podium of the world and say, ladies and gentlemen, can I have your attention, please? I'm going to explain to you. I know what's happening. Foreign leaders that are left in rubble, they will all turn to this man with an open ear, and he, the Antichrist, is going to usher in a most deceiving lie. And the Word of God says, that when he appears on the scene with this big lie, and he seems to be able to have this explanation, somebody might say, well, people, preacher are just going to be too smart for that. They, they, they're going to know that the jig is up. They're going to know that, that this man, he, he cannot have all the answers. But the truth of the matter is, this will be the most vulnerable and vulnerable time in the moment of human history that's ever taken place before. And let me tell you this, it's amazing what people will do under dire circumstances. It's amazing what people will do under normal circumstances. I remember out in California, but there was a man by the name of Marshall Applewhite. He convinced 30 people 
that a spaceship, listen now, I'm talking about a man telling human beings that a spaceship was coming and that was waiting for them behind the Hale-Bopp comet and he talked 30 people into committing suicide to join him in a higher level of enlightenment. And these 30, and he said, every one of you need to put a quarter in your pocket in case, back in those days, in case you need to make a phone call. And 30 people did it. But listen, it, listen, I'm telling you, there are people all over the world that's done this. Think about these 900, almost 1,000 people that went to the jungle of, of Jonestown, Guyana, when, and, and believed that Jim Jones was the Messiah. Think about these people in Waco, Texas that followed David Koresh. Think about all the people that followed Sung Young Moon. I'm telling you, there have been people in our present time that have had the ability to present a lie and people by the thousands followed these individuals. I'm telling you that when you reject the truth, you set yourself wide open to believe a lie. Now, you have to notice something else, and it's quite clear, and it's probably the most amazing and startling truth about it. Listen to this. The Bible does not say that the Antichrist will send them strong delusion. The Bible does not say that the Antichrist will give them the inability to know the truth. The Bible doesn't say that, that the devil will send them strong delusion or that the demons of hell will send them strong delusion. But look at this, 2 Thessalonians 2.11. Because they rejected the truth, they did not receive Christ in their day of grace. Because they said no one too many times. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. So when the Antichrist comes on the scene with the lie, the word said God, just like he did with the plagues of Egypt, God is going to send strong delusion to those left behind, that they will believe the lie of this Antichrist. Now, why would God do this? Because they said no one too many times. It breaks my heart, but there may be somebody right now sitting in these pews today that you, you have had an opportunity to trust Christ and you have said no, 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 not today. Listen, don't let that be today. You have an opportunity. You say, well, preacher, would God really, really do that? In Isaiah 66, 4, the word says, and I also will choose their delusions and will bring their fears upon them because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear, but they did evil before mine eyes and chose that in which I delighted not. And I will tell you this morning, friend, God is tenderly calling right now. Many times when I read where God just simply gave people up, in John chapter 12, verse number 37, 39 and 40, I want our musicians to come. The word says, but though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah saith again, he had blinded their eyes and hardened their heart they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. Now let me say again, when a person rejects the truth, they become a candidate for the lie. 
I want us now to, I want to explain something to you here. How, why would they believe this lie? Would the lie be so bad that they are going to be eternally blinded? 2 Thessalonians 2.12 That they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So again, when the Lord comes, some will be taken, some will be left behind. But here's a startling passage, and I'm running out of time, and I knew this would be difficult to get it all in. In Revelation chapter 11, I want to show you what's going to happen here. Revelation 11, verse 3. I'm going to read through verse 10. And I will give power unto my two witnesses. Now, who are these two witnesses? It's another sermon, but I will tell you, I firmly believe they're Moses and Elijah. You might say, well, I believe it's John the Baptist. More power to you. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth. Wow, that's going to happen. And devoured their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must be in this manner be killed. These, talking about these two witnesses, these have power to shut up heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. But who was that in the days of their prophecy? Who had this power? Elijah. Read the last verse of Malachi. And then notice this. And in the days of their prophecy, look at this. And have power over waters to turn them to blood. Who did that? Moses. In the days of their prophecy, what the word says. And to smite the earth with all the plagues as often as they will. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city. So here's what's going to happen. I believe as the Antichrist comes in with this big lie, God's going to send great delusion over the earth. These people will, everybody that's left behind, they will believe the great lie. The purpose of these two witnesses to come is to preach the gospel to some people that has never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. Next Sunday, I'm preaching on that subject, the 144,000. When these two witnesses come and preach, According to the word of God, 144,000 priests will believe. They will become priests. People have never heard the gospel before. And from their preaching, multitudes who have never heard the gospel will be saved. But because these two witnesses are coming to confront the Antichrist and this global deception, the word says that when these two witnesses have finished their earthly ministry, their mission which God has sent them on, that the Antichrist is going to kill them. Literally, physically kill them. And according to the word of God, their bodies are going to lie in the streets for three days. Now let me show you this. Verse 8, and their dead bodies shall lie in the street of that great city, talking about Jerusalem, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, 
where our Lord was crucified, Jerusalem right outside the city walls, and they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies. How's that going to happen, preacher? You know and I know that satellite works all over the world. The fact that these two witnesses have been killed and their dead bodies are lying in the street is going to be televised all over the world. Their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in grace. They're not going to bury them. They're going to show it all over the world. These two witnesses will lie on the street. They'll be dead for three and a half. And look at this. Verse 10. I'm going to show you the depth of the lie. And they that dwell upon the earth, we've already dealt with that. You know who it is. Shall rejoice over them and make merry and send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. So here's what's going to happen. The Antichrist is going to kill these two witnesses. This is in the horrific place of the tribulation. Their bodies, Moses and Elijah, are going to lie in the streets for three days, three and a half days. The world is going to be so happy. All of the horrific things that were happening on the earth, people would stop and say, oh, God in heaven, I'm so sorry. If there's any hope for my eternal soul, I'm so sorry. I'm, I want to trust you. But that's not what they do. They celebrate. And that comes from a demon-possessed mind who has believed a lot. So number seven, God does give people up. I don't have time to give you these scriptures today. You have them in your bulletin. Romans 124, Romans 126, Romans 128, and Genesis 6-3. And I want you to, when you get home, I want you to read those scriptures. Now there will be people saved in the tribulation. I'm going to preach that next Sunday. People have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. It's what the word says, and I'm going to preach the word. But listen, because you have heard the gospel, you are without excuse. I'm, listen, if, if it were necessary, I would, I would crawl on this center aisle on broken glass and barbed wire on my hands and knees to your pew. If it was necessary, I'd drop salty tears in your lap. If it was necessary, I'd put my arms around you and beg you to come to Jesus. But you see, that's not the way God chose. You don't, you don't need to come to Christ because of something I said or something I did. You need to come to Christ because you recognize the fact that you are a lost sinner and you need Jesus. He said, whosoever liveth, believeth in me should not perish.
You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at bufordroadbaptistchurch.com.